Welcome to Forward. Educate yourself on the new world. The podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance with your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Real chiropractic talk. No rainbows, no unicorns. Start putting in the work. The biggest names in the industry. The legends, the innovators, the up-and-comers. This is the podcast for progressive DCs. So buckle up. Passion is the feeling you have that you would probably do this for free and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. Join Parker Seminars in the heart of Las Vegas, February 21st through the 23rd, for an incredible three days of growth, education, and inspiration. Featured among our 37 speakers are world-renowned evidence-based leaders, Dr. Craig Liebenson and Dr. Stuart McGill. The Parker Seminars Las Vegas has the people shark, Damon John, and Baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. sharing their unprecedented insights on leadership and success. Please visit parkerseminars.com and use our special promotional code CLV50 to receive $50 off our unheard of Las Vegas single attendee registration price. Register today. Hey everybody, welcome to Forward, the podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping before this great podcast gets started. Uh, you just heard the ad from Parker Seminars, Las Vegas. You've been hearing those ads if you've been hearing the podcast. Uh, I hope you plan on attending. We will be there. The FTCA will be having its own membership type reception uh, for all of us forward thinking types. And uh, if you want more about that event itself, you've got to be in on the inside. You've got to be a member of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance on Facebook. It's not hard to find. It's not hard to join. Just a couple pushes of a button. Now, while we're on the topic of sponsors, uh, obviously this season has been different than the first season in that we do have sponsorship, and we are eternally grateful to the sponsors who've helped us up our game as far as uh, making sure that we have the right technology available to put put on a good podcast and the right uh, sound editing capabilities and software and all those sort of things. So they've helped us out tremendously and we love them. Uh, there, there are two sponsors that stand out specifically that I want to address right here. Actually, three sponsors. There's three sponsors that I, I need to specifically address right here, right now, because they they not only have supported the podcast itself, but they've also supported uh, the FTCA in general, um, like at our event in Kansas City this last June, uh, the FTCA Uh, KC convention. Uh, One of them was a big, big supporter of us. And uh, obviously we are huge supporters of them. And I encourage everybody, if you are not a member of the American Chiropractic Association, what the hell are you doing? But really, you got to get on the team. Uh, It's the only way. It's the the biggest way to get involved is to stand up and be a part of the ACA. The ACA also has an event, NCLC, NCLC 2019 is coming up, and uh, what what the ACA wants to say about that is that NCLC is leading chiropractic in the future. Make your plans now to attend ACA's annual meeting in Washington, D.C. It's happening January 16th through 19th, so it's coming up really, really soon. There are CE credits from evidence-based and innovative sessions. Um, you can find out more at acatoday.org backslash NCLC 2019. But hey, if this, uh, if this NCLC, this 2019 one coming up is too short notice for you, or say you've 
got a hold of this podcast after that event. Make your plans now whenever you hear this to get to NCLC 2020. That just sounds like an epic year to go. 2020. So make sure uh, you plan to attend an NCLC. If you haven't been since you are a SACA member as a student and you haven't been as a doctor, it's probably time to make the pilgrimage back. Uh, Another sponsor that we need to send out a lot of love to is, of course, Pain Zone. Uh, Joe and all the rest of the team at MedZone who produced the Pain Zone product, they've been huge supporters of uh, the FTCA, and, uh, and I like the product a lot. I use it exclusively in my office. Um, if you have not taken up Joe and the Pain Zone folks on their offer that they've put out on their podcast ad to get some free samples, Uh, It's time to do that today. Go to iPainZone.com and get some free samples, read up about the product, try it out, see what you get. It's a product that is only for us providers. You're not going to find it on a big website and you're not going to find it at a big box store. Um, So it's crafted for us and that's nice. Another sponsor that has been uh, awesome for us in the FTCA and super supportive have been the folks at Advanced Musculoskeletal Therapies, the home of the Miracle Wave, Miracle Wave Shockwave Therapy. If you don't know much about shockwave therapy, you've got to you've got to contact these folks, Mary Edna and Gerhard. You can contact them at 770-612-8245. You can look up the Miracle Wave online. You can read about shockwave technology. Their email is info at amttherapies.com. They can consult with you. They'll talk with you. They'll educate you. Uh, it's, a, it's a family operation, you know. And Shockwave Therapies got some good result track records with Achilles tendonitis, lateral epicondylitis, greater trochanteric pain, plantar fasciitis, patellar tendinopathy, calcific tendonitis, you know, all these tough tendinopathy type injuries uh, that, that need a, a, an efficient solution for that the public is dealing with, and you can be that solution if you work with advanced musculoskeletal therapies. Uh, finally, this is uh, somewhat of a self-plug. Um, Kevin Christie, Dr. Kevin Christie, who runs a great podcast, the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Podcast, you should absolutely check that out. And myself, we have a little, uh, we've got our little treehouse club. We've got a, a club, an organization, a circle of friends, whatever you want to call it, called the Chiropractic Su- Success Academy. Um, don't let the, the term academy fool you. It's not, it's not Hogwarts. It's not a rigorous course of study. It is a group of people in a circle who are learning from each other, and then we are a repository of awesome information about chiropractic success as far as clinical success, business success, marketing success, and the, the personality or personal skills you need as a doctor to be a successful chiropractor. Uh, we've put this little circle together. we got a website uh, csacircle.com for you to join and become a member, but most of you don't know what, what we're up to uh, and, and, and what kind of thing we're putting out there. So we want to we give a little gift to everybody. We have a free course you can take. You can join our free course. You just need to go to www.csacircle.com backslash P backslash CSA free course, and you will find the page to sign up for our free course. You can learn from chiropractors who are experienced practice owners with a growth mindset. 
You can join up with new practice owners who are learning new and exciting things. You can join up with students who want to supplement their school education with business and marketing education. Uh, you can link up with practice owners who want to train their associates and staff on marketing, clinical, and personal development. And this is also good for independent contractors looking to grow their patient base and grow out of the independent contractor uh, cycle. And it's also great for associates who need to learn how the chiropractic business actually works before they become business people of their own. So check that out, csacircle.com backslash P backslash CSA free course. And uh, hope to see you on the inside of that. I think that's all the housekeeping. Um, thank you for listening. I know you got to sort of bear all of this stuff before you get to some good interviews. That's the exchange, my friends. It's, uh, it's the way the game is played. So hopefully when you look at these things as far as the sponsors go, we're, we're trying to provide you with win-win sponsors. There's no gimmicky uh, crap going on here because we value you. I personally value your, your listenership, and I value you as a colleague or future colleague uh, and peer in this profession. So I hope you enjoy this interview with some amazing people doing amazing things, and uh, I'll see you uh, during our next episode of – the FTCA podcast. No, wait, I'll see you at the end of this podcast for the pain zone finish. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome everybody to forward the podcast of the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance. I am your host, Dr. Bobby maybe, and I'm here with two special guests from world spine care. And we want to talk about the global spine care initiative. I am with Dr. Jeff Outerbridge. He's the clinical clinical director of world spine care. And then I have also the man that needs no introduction. Well, Dr. Haldeman, this is a weird one uh, because you have, you have multiple titles. <laughs> you are in many of my colleagues' minds, as far as evidence-based chiros go, a, uh, a paragon, one of the one of the shoulders that we all stand on. So, I want to address that five hundred pound gorilla in the room uh, as we got started. That Dr. Haldeman is with us, but we are here to discuss specific topics, um, and then maybe we can have some fun talking about some other stuff along the way. First and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem that we need to address, and that is why these two gentlemen are here, and that is to discuss. World Spine Care. So, uh, Dr. Outerbridge, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for the invitation. And Dr. Haldeman, Haldeman, it is a pleasure to have a chance to talk to you as well. And a real pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Um, and it, for the pop, the pop culture of a podcast, it would be I would be chastised if I didn't mention uh, that you have a famous uh, nephew. Yeah, I'm told he's quite famous. <laughs> and uh, and people, if you want to get curious, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but you can go look all that stuff up. But I wanted to also say thank you, or uh, maybe we can get into a little bit of discussion I'm asking now before we get going about the uh, accomplishments of your father and your grandmother Yeah, in the chiropractic field, if you were willing to share that stuff. But we'll get into that in a little bit. No problem at all. Dr. Outerbridge, what, what's going on with World Spine Care? What's the problem here? What's going on, Chief? Well, I'll, let me uh, start and, and let Scott sort of address the global burden and, and the yes. whole reason that, that we're here and doing the work that we're doing. So, Scott, if you want to go over the global burden, uh, and then we'll talk about how we're sort of yeah, addressing so maybe some epidemiological history of why we're even talking about this at all. 
Yeah, <laughs> actually, the whole reason we started the global uh, uh, the um, World Spine Care program is when um, a number of years ago, around 2010, which is quite a while ago, uh, the World Health Organization did its data on the global burden of disease, and they looked at a few hundred, some 300 something uh, different diseases and problems in the world, health problems, and they determined that uh, low back pain and neck pain were the number one cause of disability in the world and actually were more important than many other common diseases like malaria and diabetes and uh, even some kinds of heart disease. Uh, and uh, it, it was also then a growing amount of data showed that uh, from the World Bank said that disability, that over a billion people in the world were disabled and the primary reason for the disability was because of musculoskeletal and uh, uh, spine-related symptoms or problems. So we have a disease. Then, then we did a search of the various charities around the world. And although there are some missionary-type charities in the field of spine work, in other words, chiropractors will go for two to three weeks somewhere, or a surgeon will go in to a community for a few weeks, uh, for a few uh, a week or two, do some surgery or some adjustments in part of chiropractic. There was, in essence, nothing out there to suggest that anybody was trying to offer evidence-based care to people who had no access to care. So we started the World Spine Care program, and in order to deal with those people who have no access to care and who are disabled from their spine, from a spine problem. And uh, the, the repeated studies of this type have confirmed that this is not the, uh, a, a unique or a, 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 a problem which is going away. It is still as intense a problem as it has ever been. Who started this? Who, who, who was responsible for this? The World Spine Care Program? Yes. Well, I, I guess I was the one who initiated it um, and, and was particularly involved and very interested. I brought on board uh, um, Margareta Nordine originally, and then Jeff came on board, and Jeff became our very first person willing to spend the time and energy to travel to a, uh, um, an underserved community in the world, uh, namely Botswana, and who was willing to put in substantial amount of time. Uh, Jeff was there for um, two years as a volunteer. He gave up his practice and moved to Botswana for two years to establish the World Spine Care Program. Uh, so it was a combination of uh, uh, my desire to help people who had no access to care, uh, Margaret and Nordine and a few others who uh, joined me to form a board, and Jeff who actually got it started and, and uh, made it take off. So uh, I think that would be the best way to explain it. This is not a single person uh, venture this is a group venture and it has been a group venture ever since 
Which countries are you, maybe we, Jeff can answer this a little more concisely, but which countries are you most active in at the moment? Well, our greatest activity is in Botswana, and it always has been. That was the first project, as Scott said. Um, and we've been there. Uh, my wife and son and I arrived there at the end of 2011, and the clinic really opened. The first clinic in Mahalape opened just before Christmas 2011, and we've had sort of continuous care ever since that time um, with multiple volunteers, short-term and long-term volunteers, researchers. We've done most of our work sort of around Botswana. And then in 2014, uh, just before Christmas again in 2014, we opened the clinic in the Dominican Republic, which has been running more or less continuously since that time. We had a little hiatus. Um, and uh, back on track now. And then uh, later in 2016, we opened uh, two more clinics. One was in Ghana, and then the other was in India. So those are the four. We've looked at other projects in other locations, but um, projects, they have, there have to be certain things in place in order to, for it to be a viable project. And these are the four places that had everything in place for viable projects, and they've all sort of continued since those dates. What are some of those those things that seem to be required as far as to make it viable? Transportation? Um, <laughs> money? Well, <laughs> money, yeah. Well, it you need to have obviously interest on the ground and you need to have a really strong support, local support on the ground and people there who are willing to help uh, facilitate the project. And really we've, we've always said that we'd, we won't go into a project unless we have an exit strategy, unless the project is fully sustainable. And at some point in time, we're eventually able to completely leave the country and the country has a, a sort of nationwide um, effective spine care program. That's our goal. So if we can't see a pathway to that exit strategy and that sustainability, then that project is just not, not, uh, not viable. The other thing is obviously funding. So there needs to be interest on the ground and also funding uh, on the ground. Enough, enough interest, not just any, any country is going to say, yeah, sure, come on in, do what you got to do. We're, we love it. Um, you need them to actually be fully engaged um, and be involved in the uh, financial support of those programs as well. So those are the main things um, that, that we really look for. And without those, it's just not worth starting it or you end up in this situation where there's this constant financial drain um, with sort of no end in sight. And that's really not what we want. Yeah, it, it almost sounds like when you, when you look at the picture that you have this amazing initiative, which is almost a no-brainer. Anybody can get behind the concept of World Spine Care. But then when you get your boots on the ground, you still have to operate a clinic. Am I wrong in that assumption? No, that you're, you're quite right. Uh, there's the, the comprehensive model, and I can let Scott talk about that a little more with the Global Spine Care Initiative. But our goal in going into the countries is to have a sort of full-service comprehensive spine care program all the way from primary contact all the way to tertiary care. And so we try to build capacity at all those different levels with primary spine practitioners, um, training locals within that particular role to eventually take over. We have fellowship program or scholarship programs from multiple chiropractic institutions to facilitate that. We also have fellowship, uh, surgical fellowships from a couple of European institutes uh, in order to train actual spine surgeons um, for, for the sort of tertiary and specialty care. Um, and then build everything 
um, uh, from sort of that primary all the way to tertiary, in including um, referral lines, um, um, training of frontline healthcare workers that aren't necessarily going to take a role as primary spine practitioners, but training doctors and nurses in sort of triage and, and um, uh, appropriate care from that primary contact perspective. Um, and that's sort of what the Global Spine Care Initiative, again, is helping to really flesh out that entire program. So the goal is to expand that across an entire country within the existing healthcare system. We're not working in silos. We're actually embedding this within that existing healthcare system so that, again, it's sustainable um, and, and scalable across the country. That is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Yeah, Getting back to your first question, what makes it work? What makes it work are people getting involved. Uh, this, is not, this, is, this is a volunteer organization, and if people don't want to be involved, then it's not going to survive. So it basically requires people to be involved, and we've been extraordinarily fortunate. We've, we've got an all-volunteer boards of directors. All of our committees are volunteers giving their time, our research committees and our clinical committees. We've had over 50 volunteers from around the world, from US, Canada, Australia, Europe, South Africa, all spend time in the clinics taking care of patients. We need people who really care about the, the underserved community, who really want to offer their time and energy to help others. And, and that is what's made it work, is that we've, there, there are enough people, particularly the chiropractors who are the dominant force in our group, uh, have been very willing to give their time and energy to uh, actually spend time in the clinics and to participate in the programs that are, are being put forward. Uh, and it's been very rewarding. And I'll expand on that a little bit as well. Um, I mean, we, there are obviously some some big names associated with the organization, including Scott and Margareta and so on. Um, however, the real lifeblood of our organization are the volunteers and the most active and uh, um, sort of engaged volunteers are often new graduates from chiropractic college. And I mean, I can list so many of them who have come out of school, gotten involved, stayed involved, and, and really helped drive the organization forward. So, you know, in terms of the people listening, um, that's really the lifeblood of our organization and the future of our organization are those people who are sort of uh, um, just coming out of school and, and really excited about actually participating in a program that helps those who are really in need. What is, a, what is the life of a volunteer? What is the timeline? How does that look? So, so speak to, say, a student right now, and they might be passionate or interested in this program. What would, what would life look like for them? What would they have to do? What's the sacrifice? All that stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> so let's go with, with different levels of engagement. Um, we've had volunteers who have engaged in terms of helping with um, uh, social media or like Nathan Cashin has done a fantastic job with helping us with social media and, and uh, other communications. You guys um, are lucky because he is an awesome doctor and person. Absolutely. Amazing. 
Um, and then we had someone like, say, Steve Lasky, who went and volunteered in the clinic uh, in Dominican Republic as a clinic supervisor, and I'll explain that a little bit, and has stayed involved in volunteer recruitment. Um, another, Nadine Harrison, who, who came from the UK, who volunteered for a year in Botswana, and has now come back and really is helping out with World Spine Care Europe. So um, there's different, it depends on your skill. Let's say a graphic designer could really help, or someone who has graphic design background could really help. Um, uh, someone who's a really good writer could help write articles, things like that. Then if you're a new clinician, a young clinician, or even a, an experienced one, and you want to actually volunteer at our clinic, there's sort of two levels you can get involved. One is called a volunteer associate, and there, um, that volunteer service is for anywhere from one to sort of three months. And, um, and for, in order to volunteer, you can go at any time. There's no long-term commitment, but you do pay your own way. So you pay your own flights and food. Um, we provide accommodation, um, but you're providing uh, your flights and food. And, and then we ask all those volunteers to also do some fundraising in advance, um, again, to help keep that program going for other people. Then there's a clinic supervisor, and the clinic supervisors uh, dedicate a year or more to running the clinic, and they are fully supervising the clinics. Um, all their expenses are paid, and so um, they spend a year on the ground, and they take care of everything, patient care, supervising the volunteer associates who come over for a short period of time. They uh, are involved in... Um, uh, meetings with government officials and anybody else who's helping support the clinics. Uh, they're involved in regular clinical meetings. We are developing um, a toolkit uh, which involves documentation and databases and, and our volunteer our clinic supervisors are involved in monthly meetings where they report on their months uh, activities, but also bring up any issues they have with our documentation and database and data collection, any patient issues that come up, we discuss. And we've, we've formed a fairly large team of now very experienced um, clinicians who meet regularly to discuss sort of clinical issues that they're, ha that they're having in the field. Are there, is there a clinical guide? Um, how would you put it? Do your clinician, the volunteers who run the clinics, do they have a roadmap that they operate off of? Like, are they operating on a primary spine practitioner sort of model? Are they operating on a, a more basic care model? Are they instituting active care and rehab? What does the care look like in a world spine care clinic? Uh, that's a good question. Um, of course it is. Come on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. So um, we're, not, we're not here to tell people how to treat patients. You it's hard to tell volunteers how to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that point too. But, um, but somebody who's graduating from a chiropractic college has really good training. They know how to take a good history. They know how to treat people. They've got um, their techniques. What, and, and so we provide the opportunity for young clinicians or new clinicians or even experienced clinicians to share uh, techniques, to share ideas, to share uh, clinical uh, wisdom and experience. However, we're not dictating you have to treat this way because um, everybody, uh, your treatment is most effective. Your own treatment is most effective in your hands and trying to, to dictate to somebody you have to treat this way. It just it doesn't, that's not what we do. However, when you treat somebody, we want to know exactly what you've done. And our documentation is very precise. 
So whatever you decide to do to a, a, a patient, the unique situation we have in the clinics is a single patient may see multiple clinicians. So there needs to be a uh, of course, yeah. continuity of care um, across clinicians for a single patient. So how you document, we all have to document the same. We have to use the same acronyms. We have to use the same documentation. We have to enter the data the same way so that there is, uh, and we, ha we have sort of in our documentation a dashboard so that when you open a file, you can see exactly what somebody's done and how they adjusted, how they did soft tissue, what exercises they did for a particular muscle. Um, it, that can vary from one uh, or, or for a particular problem that can vary from one clinician to another, but at least you know what they were addressing and how they were addressing it. So great opportunity for, for a young chiropractic doctor who wanted to be involved in multidisciplinary care. Absolutely. To go and understand what it's like to work with different clinicians and to understand sort of the quote unquote dead doctor rule that you really need to know, everybody needs to know what you did and what you were thinking through your notation because one day, literally in the World Spine Care pro, uh, Program, you will be gone. <laughs> but the patient yeah. will still be there living their life in that country, you know. And as far as the, the uh, experience is concerned, Jeff can talk to this, but our, the volunteers will see more pathology in a week at one of the World Spine Care Clinics than they would have in their entire chiropractic education program. What kind of things are they seeing? You guys want to chime in on some fun stuff? Um, sure, but um, we, we've written a couple of articles on this, but one of them was in the Canadian Chiropractic Association, the Journal of the Canadian Chiropractic Association. There's a whole list of a bunch of the pathologies we've seen. But um, in terms of we've uh, pretty much you name it and we've seen it. <laughs> um, hemorrhagic ovarian cysts, um, uh, um, like higher level disc herniations, like L1, 2, L2, 3 disc herniations, um, TV, we have, uh, wrote a, um, yeah. uh, case series on the TV case that we had in Botswana, um, I, I don't know. A dish. No, no. If you if you go to the World Spine Care website on. and you look at the uh, the research tab, you'll find plenty to read. Yeah, okay. it, it, it is actually quite amazing. You, your your experience and your 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 understanding of what it means to be a spine doctor will change phenomenally. Uh, Jeff and a number of our volunteers have found, for example that they will have a patient, they'll refer to an orthopedic surgeon, and the next thing they know, they're in the operating room watching their patient being operated on and scrubbing fully uh, to be part of that program. And that's a unique experience for a young uh, chiropractor to be involved in, where you actually are out there uh, participating in, in a multidisciplinary setting to the point where you actually watch them being operated on. And, and uh, certainly in Botswana and even in the Dominican Republic uh, so far, we're, we're seen as, uh, or we're given um, the opportunity to um, do things that we may not be in North America. So we're allowed to um, order MRIs, CTs, um, X-rays. Um, we're even allowed to order blood tests, however, because some chiropractors 
don't have the training in interpreting um, blood tests. Some do. We always have. Uh, we always go to a doctor and have them interpret them with us. Um, but we've also actually uh, very early on, I was able to do manipulation under anesthetic and, and um, book a surgical theater uh, with the orthopedic surgeon to do manipulation under anesthetic. Um, and so there's there's those sort of opportunities that we obviously you know um, don't operate beyond our scope of practice. Um, but we have these opportunities if, and, and some of them are within our scope of practice. And, you know, one of the biggest complaints we have, you guys are doctors, how come you have to have somebody else draw blood? And, <laughs> uh, you know, because then we call upon the, the nurses or the other doctors to draw blood on our patients. And uh, they would rather that we were had that capacity. Uh, you just shrug that. your shoulders and you say historical contextual issues apply. <laughs> and it's the same with medication. We've often been asked, why don't you just, because you guys just prescribe medications. Um, I'll leave that one where it is. But <laughs> yeah. um, we're often asked that same thing um, because they, they want to streamline uh, the care for the patients that they see. They don't want to have to to prescribe the medication, especially the orthopedic surgeons. They 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 want us to be able to deal with all of that, so they can just focus on the surgeries, which is really that's the role of the primary spine practitioner. Correct, uh, Doctor Haldeman. Did you write the foreword to the CRISP book, the low back book? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> because I've I've seen you make reference to uh, to low back pain being a supermarket approach. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that I did do that article. I remember that okay. one because that yeah, is in, that is in crisp, and I don't know if Don Murphy was quoting you. I don't remember it per chance. Yeah, he was he was actually quoting Scott. Okay, um, and he did reference he did actually reference Scott in that. He referenced him. That's what yes. it was. Okay. Okay. So you, yeah. got the, you got your due respect there. <laughs> um, but that, that's the problem. Would you like to expand on that? It seems to me, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the um, World Spine Care program is sort of the boots on the ground taking action within these underserved uh, countries. But there's a larger mission at hand, and that is the, the Global Spine Care Initiative. Yeah. So the, the initiative is sort of the umbrella and then World Spine Care is getting things done underneath that. Am I close? Yeah, you're close. Uh, the Global Spine Care Initiative came from a realization that despite all the evidence-based guidelines out there, we do not have a mechanism to implement these guidelines. And as we can't, uh, we have not figured out yet how to take the guidelines and implement them into a practice setting that we can all feel comfortable with. Yeah, to translate from uh, mega mega smart Haldeman to a uh, caveman like me. Well, um, it's, not quite that, it's not quite that bad. Uh, some <laughs> of the cavemen are pretty smart. These, but, these uh, guidelines have said for many, many years that uh, manual therapy, chiropractic adjustment for the low back, and all these sort of things are necessary for first line of approach for low back pain, yet nobody's doing it. Like the yeah. first line of approach has been like steroid injections and opioids. That's right. And, and that is one, uh, you know, if one looks at, for example, the recent articles in the Lancet Journal, yeah, uh, they pointed to the fact that current uh, healthcare approaches to spinal disability and spinal disorders 
uh, have relied in high income countries have relied very much on surgery on in, uh, MRI high tech stuff surgery injections MRI scans CAT scans uh, and high dose of various pharmaceuticals including uh, opioids and the net impact of that has been very negative on society it actually has caused a worsening of the healthcare crisis in spinal disorders so uh, uh, and this became evident to us in the world spine care world as well when we re realized that we are in a situation where the current system doesn't work. The current system uh, dealing with spinal problems, it's just not working. And we have to develop a new and better system. So, uh, so we, in order to achieve this, we went out and... Uh, created the Global Spine Care Initiative, which included input from 68 clinicians and scientists from 24 countries, and who had offered care in 34 countries at various parts of the world in multiple low and middle income countries. And this, uh, they joined, the, the effort on this was to create a mechanism or a model of care that could be implemented in low middle income countries, but at some point could also probably be brought back into high income countries. And, and this is now just being published in a European Spine Journal as a special issue. It's a total of 16 scientific papers, and it creates a model of care with a new uh, simplified classification of spinal disorders, and a review of the evidence which is, should be easily understood and is compatible with all current evidence and, and therefore uh, usable and fairly easy to implement in, you know, in, in, at least in low and middle income countries and we believe even in high income countries. So that, that is the basis of the Global Spine Care Initiative and it has really taken off uh, very well. Uh, we're seeing a substantial interest in this field with people coming forth and um, starting to use it. Uh, and uh, if it does work, we will hopefully have created a mechanism whereby we can help people around the world uh, deal with spine problems uh, and uh, do so according to the evidence and with a much simplified approach where it won't take a great deal of time and it can be done in an interdisciplinary manner so everybody's speaking the same language and offering the same type of evidence care. Goosebumps, Dr. Haldeman. You gave me goosebumps. Your team, that team for the Global Spine Care Initiative is like, those are some of the best names in this world that I have heard or seen or read and Jeff you're on that list so that you're no yeah. small fry there Dr. Gertz <laughs> um, you know uh, Jan Harvickson's on the list oh my goodness it's just that's amazing stuff what kind of roadblocks has the global spine care initiative met sort of so far along the way well we've had no serious criticisms uh, you can't uh, <laughs> you can't criticize this well, it's possible, but it, it, there've been no. We've had no substantial criticism. 
the biggest problem is for us is now to prove that we have a system that can work. Yeah, We've come absolutely. to an agreement of what it should look like and what its endpoint should be. And we're fairly consistent and kind of all of us agree that, we, we, that, that what we have should be better than what currently exists. Uh, it's our job now to prove that it actually is better than what is out there. And that is going to take a little time and energy. It's, it, it all hinges on that epidemic word because uh, so, you know, how do I put it? People aren't bleeding. It's not leprosy. It's not HIV. But it's, like you said, it's the most disabling condition in the world. But you sure can get people to jump up and do something about leprosy or HIV or uh, flesh-eating bacteria, whatever you want to come along the way. Um, it, it just seems like it's a slow-moving process to get people to understand that we've got a serious issue here and there's a better way to go about it than we've been doing. That's right. And, and, and that is the hardest thing. It, it's not sexy, uh, as many people have told us. Um, but it is extraordinarily important. So your, yeah. your folks have to keep talking and keep producing. Is basically uh, you, the know, job. you know, Bobby, I think you, you touched on one of the biggest difficulties we have in expanding the program is getting people really excited enough to sort of donate to it. Um, and the chiropractic profession in general, uh, you know, chiropractors get it. Um, so, so there's been an enormous amount of support, support from the chiropractic profession, but definitely you just hit the nail on the head and that's our difficulty. It's really hard to get people, uh, to see, uh, how important it is and, and to want to get involved and donate. Is there a way to make this emotional? Like, I know you guys aren't there. You're, you're scientists and clinicians, and you've got a serious mission. But where is the, the um, Sarah McLaughlin sick puppies <laughs> video where, it, where people need to understand the global impact of, the, of disabilities of the low back? And maybe we need to have these young chiropractors visit these tent cities that are in these urban areas that are filled with people who have had opioid addiction and have fallen because of it. Okay. So I think, I think you have, I think you have just uh, unleashed the greatest call for volunteers and assistance that we need right now is somebody who can do exactly that. We we're always trying to, we're always trying to make it, um, make people understand the importance at a more emotional level, but uh, it's really difficult. So, uh, if any, is anybody out there? I'm, I'm here, man. I'm here. That. I think I've got, I'm an ideas guy and I know people and I, I think I've got Absolutely. a couple ideas for you that will take off the air. If you could make that happen, a, then that would be your a, greatest contribution. Yeah. Maybe not as bad as a Michelle McLaughlin, uh, what is her, Sarah McLaughlin, Sarah McLaughlin. video, but we can, we can do something. Yeah. I got an idea. Um, and, and on that side, you know, I was, when, when it comes to, uh, world spine care, I was going to go through this thing in my mind of like, take me through, you know, it's probably got to be hard to get students to volunteer because they're more concerned about making money and they're more concerned about their student loans. And then halfway through this conversation, I threw that in the dumpster because I said, you know what, if you, you guys would want, you guys would really only want people who really wanted to do this. Plus, that motivation would really want, they would really do what it took to be there. So those are the people that should get involved. If you think, if this sings to you and you're listening to this, you have to get involved. Don't be afraid 
Don't be afraid that you're going to be in a foreign country. Don't be afraid of, can I raise the money? If you want to do this, it'll happen. And it doesn't seem like. Um, and, and you will join a team of some of the most amazing like-minded clinicians that you will ever meet. And for me being the clinics director, uh, that's my greatest pleasure is working with those volunteers who are committed, excited, enthusiastic, engaged, uh, and there is no question that that's just what they want to do. So uh, if there's any other people out there, you'll be in very good company if that's really what you want to do. What I found about this profession, mostly just recently as I've studied different passions and I've understood different approaches, is that there seems to be a regional flavor. And Dr. Craig Liebenson hinted on it a little bit in my last podcast, you know, that certain colleges in the Midwest are a little bit more tuned to like Motion Palpation Institute and then certain chiropractic colleges and other part of the regions are more instituted into like maybe the SFMA and, and all these different approaches. When we are talking uh, world spine care, are there campuses, are there, are there places that you seem to draw from more than others? And there are some that are ghost towns? Uh, great question. And I think it doesn't necessarily relate to the institution. It relates to prior volunteers. So gotcha. uh, New York Chiropractic College, we're getting more and more people from there because of Steve Lasky. Uh, oh. Anglo-European Chiropractic College, we're getting lots of people from there because of Nadine. Uh, Welsh Institute, we're getting lots of people from there because of Eileen uh, Bidlingmeyer, who came from there. Uh, people from Durban because of Tim Ford's involvement. Um, you know, it, it, it's more... Uh, we get a volunteer from a particular school and then they go back and they talk to other students about it and I get, get other students involved. So, um, I mean, we've had uh, volunteers from academic institutions around the world, across Canada, across the States, um, and well, across Canada, uh, from the only two Canadian colleges. Um, but uh, they come from everywhere. And I think it's just a, a matter of who... Um, who they come into contact with and uh, our, our prior volunteers have been great at going back to their schools and doing talks and spreading the words. So that's really what it's not an uh, an institutional focus that really makes the difference. Does this program get um, confused with some of the other missionary type uh, uh, systems? The, Oh man, I don't want to be mean. And I shouldn't be mean. I shouldn't. Oh, someone's got to get their phone. I, I shouldn't be mean, but there are other missionary systems that don't seem to be as mission-driven as this one, if you know what I mean. Um, I, the difference is that we're creating a long-term presence. And yeah, because I, I think that uh, if you think about it at home, would you actually go and treat a patient of yours once and never again? Yeah, exactly. Um, and yet... And that, that's sort of what's happening now, maybe. And then they uh, take that, the picture and then they put it on Instagram and like, look, I was in this country and I did this and it's, it's not patient driven. It's not patient centered. Yes. Uh, well, I'm, uh, well, that's I won't mean. comment I don't on want to that, say that either. No, that I'm was me. I'm not going to comment on that, but what I will I'll, say I'll is stop that saying that. Yes. The, the reason, I mean, we're trying to create a long-term presence in a sustainable, scalable program because we believe that that's the way spine care, spine care um, problem or spinal problems should be managed. That's the most effective management, building capacity, education, um, um, uh, activity, getting people active, educating them. And so 
uh, it's difficult to do that in a very short term. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be done. If you wanted to do a mission trip and actually spend time educating patients, you've left them with something. So there is some benefit. Right. Um, it's just not a, a sort of comprehensive program that is optimal uh, care. It is, it is as much care as you can deliver in uh, one treatment or a couple of treatments. Um, is that a waste of time? I wouldn't necessarily say that, but is it as effective as creating a long-term presence? No. Yeah. Well, one of the issues that have been found about spine care is that spinal problems are chronic diseases. It's a chronic long-term. When you have a spine problem, you have it most of your life. And so you need somebody who will take care of you uh, for on a semi-continuous basis, and that is difficult to do if there is if you're going in somewhere for a week or two and then leave and there's nobody else to continue care. The advantage of what we're doing is it's a long. The clinics are ongoing and continuous care clinics, and what we have found, for example, uh, is that in those settings where um, surgeons go in, for example, and do scoliosis surgery. And it's wonderful surgery for people who need it, but there's no preoperative care. And more, more importantly, there's no significant postoperative care and postoperative complications become a serious issue. Excellent. At the same time, if chiropractors go into a community uh, and, and, and treat, uh, you know, 100 patients once or twice, the evidence is, almost all the scientific evidence says that one or two chiropractic treatments does very little good to anybody. As a matter of fact, it probably makes them more dependent on, uh, on some form of care and they actually, people actually leave disappointed because nobody's there to do ongoing care. So this is a prime stimulus for those of us who have pushed you have long-term ongoing care that is, as Jeff says, sustainable, even in uh, communities where it, it, you know, there's no other, nobody else around. There's, there was a really good uh, article I saw about volunteering. And there are two questions that came out of that that I think every volunteer should ask themselves before they get involved in any sort of, um, you know, either a mission trip or whatever. And one of the questions is, would you actually do this at home? Um, so would you actually only treat a patient once with, if you're at home? Uh, would you get involved in doing some skilled work that you're not skilled at? Um, and would then the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because sometimes, again, you know, the example is people have gone and built houses and then at night while the volunteers are sleeping, the locals are actually fixing up the work that they do. Um, so, so would you actually do this at home? And then the second thing is, would you go if you couldn't bring it home? And I think that's a really telling question as well, because you're right. A lot of people do want to go and, and tell a story about themselves. But if you feel that you want to go, you know, you would go without a camera, then that's, again, a really important question to ask yourself. Would you do this at home? And would you go if you couldn't have a camera? Oh, those are great questions. Absolutely. I had, um, I had two anecdotes that I was going to bring up. One, and uh, it's something that Professor Stuart McGill told me, but he denies that he told me. He said he's not that stoic in his commentary but he said to me once um it's not what you do for the patients that are right in front of you uh, it, while they're in front of you it's the impact you had on their lives 10 years down the road 
and then another one was I had a friend who was an orthopedic surgeon and we were talking and he, um, I think there was some method I was using, whether it was a soft tissue method, I'm not sure. And he sort of scoffed at it. And, um, and I was telling him about the results I was getting and he said, uh, well, long story short, he was saying, well, I always get results. And I said, well, how do you know? This was after talking to Stu about the subject. And he goes, well, they don't come back, so they must be better. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, no, man. What, what about the ones that I see in my office that came from your office after the surgery? And he's like, that doesn't happen. No, absolutely it does. And I'm sure you see people that I thought, thought I got better, and they never got better. They ended up in your office. He's like, yeah, it happens sometimes. But you don't know if you don't ask. And, and you, you touched on another issue that in, in working with volunteers, uh, we work with physiotherapists and chiropractors because our, our clinics are open for physiotherapists to come and work as well. And, and there is this real um, skewed perception of the other professions. So in our practice, we have all these patients coming in who've been to a physiotherapist saying, oh, I never had any results from a physiotherapist. Physiotherapy sucks. And so as a chiropractor, you're thinking, oh, well, we do much better work. But then that physiotherapist down the road is getting all kinds of patients coming in saying, ah, oh, right. I've been the chiropractors and they suck. And I think that we need to realize that all of us do really good work sometimes and don't do great work sometimes. And, and when patients don't come back, it may be because they really didn't like your care or they're going down the road. Um, and I think that sort of dose of, of humility is really important for all of us. And, and um, we see that, you know, again, our volunteers come in with, uh, with a real dose of humility and, and realization that they can't fix everybody and are more than willing to reach out for help with cases. And we have a very large network of clinicians and researchers and surgeons that we have as, as referral sources. Um, like John Taylor uh, helps us with all our radiology. Um, oh, okay. So if we have questions, then, then we can send them to him. We also have a neuroradiologist who helps us with really difficult cases. So, you know, we, we work as a very large team um, and, and have that background support all the time. So our volunteers sort of aren't out there floating on their own, uh, uh, hoping they have an answer to everything. Dr. Haldeman, you're, um, you're, a, you're a man of multiple countries. Not that Jeff isn't Canada in the USA. and um, Haldeman, Dr. Haldeman, what is wrong with American chiropractic? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, it's a concern. Uh, and I, everybody, you know, has their own perception of what would make it better. My, my feeling is that it's, it's not as terrible as people make out. The biggest concern I have about chiropractors in the United States is the lack of participation. Yes, my friend. Thank you. Uh, it, it's you cannot run an organization uh, or a profession if the total membership in your society, irrespective of what you think it should be, is uh, you know ten percent or twenty percent. Uh, and so I, I truly believe that the uh, it, it's not because of some evil chiropractic thing going on. It's simply because the chiropractors we do have are simply not joining societies, going to conferences, participating in meetings, um, and uh, being active in what they do. Uh, and so I, I think that we, if we want, if chiropractic has a desire, the, the, the profession, if the average chiropractor has a desire to improve the lot of the profession, they have one major obligation, and that is 
to become more active in the profession and, and just be part of this ancient uh, uh, profession that's been around for a, a long time, has done a lot of good, and now simply needs to get itself organized. Yeah, it's funny. It, it doesn't, because it is a small community, it does not take much. It's, it's dying to have you, dear listener. It's dying to have you do something. Absolutely. And, 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 but I, I, no profession can survive if it doesn't have yeah. uh, the, the support of, uh, uh, of its uh, participants. Which, which that, that ball rolls downhill because then you have great programs like, uh, you know, this Global Spine Care Initiative or you have other great programs and they also need people. And then you get people partitioned off. And then what do we see? We see as uh, Jeff has explained, you know, there is great response in some campuses if somebody has been involved, but there's no response at other campuses. And then the whole campus gets closed off because they don't even know because nobody there had happened to be involved. And it's, it's very frustrating because you can make a huge difference in this profession if you just try. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a small enough profession that it could easily, uh, that, that single individuals actually are what has made this profession change and made it grow over time. Yeah. It's our, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like there are single individuals that have done some amazing things, uh, your family (laughs) included in that. And then there are single individuals that have really at times brought it to its knees almost. Well, I, I'm not so negative as to say that. I am. I'm negative as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want people. I'm that, I'm, that, I'm that football coach. I'm that basketball <laughs> coach. It's like, you guys need to get your lives together. Let's go. Let's run some laps and let's get going. Come on, guys. Learn how to pass the ball better. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree there. I think we need more people active and, and, and working together as opposed to working separately. Um, I'm tasked with the next forward thinking chiropractic college, uh, or sorry, the four. Oh, that's, that's, Ooh, <laughs> Ooh I like that idea. Um, the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance convention that is going to happen at Logan university in 2019, uh, Logan has, has tasked us with making it uh, multidisciplinary in nature because they have relationships with physical therapists and athletic training programs. So we're bringing in, we're bringing in people. We're just bringing in smart people. We're, I don't even care what letters are after their name. If they know what they're talking about, uh, they're coming in. And if you're attending that, you're going to hear from DCs and PTs, and hopefully there will be some MDs there, and there are people who've researched and researched pain science, and, and, um, and we're putting together that kind of program. And I really would like to, hopefully off the air, we can discuss some sort of way to get the Global Spine Care Initiative involved uh, we're bringing in people who are experts in financial planning and management and uh, marketing and critical thinking skills, which is a, is a passion of mine, is, is uh, uh, making sure that people in this profession have critical thinking skills. Okay, I'm in. Where can I sign up? Yeah, you know, and, um, and I just want people, I, people often say, so what is the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance? Are you trying to replace... XYZ Association or ABC Association. No, 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 no. The way I look at my role here is to make everybody who has become apathetic or might not even have any clue of where to go in this world being that launching pad where it's like, you guys don't know about the Global Spine Care Initiative? 
let, let's tell you about it and then have you guys come on and talk. Um, I mentioned when I did a talk at Western States, sorry, it's University of Western States now. And I mentioned the uh, CRISP books and a lot of the students had no idea what they were. I said, you guys, that is everything right now. You have to understand those, those texts at this point in time. They were like, oh, well, yeah. I didn't even know. There's a copy in the library. <laughs> yeah, and, and that has been a problem. I, I've had the similar uh, uh, experience where I'll go into a place and mention something that literally everybody should know. And, uh, and often the, the, the level of understanding, mention, even mentioning these products, of, uh, it, it, it's just something that has never been brought up in their environment. In Dr. Haldeman, in the uh, in the physician education world, is it like that as well? Do the students not know who the main players are? Uh, you mean in the in the non chiropractic world? Yeah, yeah, that general world that is not us. Yeah, yeah, no, not to the same extent because uh, you you're taught very early on in your medical education community that it's crucial that you become active in your societies and that you uh, attend meetings and conferences on a regular basis. Um, and so you don't see the same discrepancy between uh, understanding what's out there and not. Mainly, and, I, and the reason I think this is true to some extent is that almost all faculty members in a medical environment go to all the conferences. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, classic for a um, medical uh, um, universe, medical faculty member to spend time at conferences and recognize this is an obligation that they have or, or they're just not going to be able to keep up to date. So that, to me, is the main re uh, reason behind the, the, that difficulty. Well, there might be aspects of our profession that aren't compelled to keep, quote-unquote, up-to-date. Yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 there's not the same feeling that this is essential, that this yeah. is crucial to the development, uh, personal development and the development of your profession. Yeah, and, and well, well, we would love to change that. Obviously, that's that's one of my whys. Um, Dr. Outerbridge, what is what is your why for World Spine Care, Global Spine Care Initiative? Why why are you doing this? What's what's the driving force for you? Um, <clears throat> wow, I have to go right back to the very beginning, but um, I I guess it's it. <sighs> When I first heard about it, it was um, Simon Dagenet who uh, told me about it first, first off. And when I heard about it, it's sort of something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I come from a family of missionaries. Uh, um, grandfather, my uncle, um, were, were missionaries with the Methodist and United Church. And it sort of grew up with this notion of service. And uh, the the motto of the university that my grandfather taught at in Japan uh, called Kansagakuen University was um, mastery for service. And it was all about that. And so growing up with that, there was just never this question. And I always wanted to do development work and go where 
you know, whatever I had was needed. Um, and I just didn't think it was possible in the spine care world uh, or chiropractic world. I just, and I kind of put it out of my mind. And I didn't realize at the time when Simon first told me about World Spine Care, how, how big this sort of global burden was. And it's interesting that as, as much as Scott told you about the global burden of disease, that didn't come out till end of 2010. And, um, yeah. or actually, yeah, end of 2010, 2011. Uh, and so we were already well into developing the World Spine Care model before that because Scott had, had started this with Margarita and officially registered it in 2008. So, uh, you know, they were well ahead of, of the actual evidence to say what the burden was. And I remember being how, how excited we all were that, oh, my God, yeah, this is what we're doing really is important. Um, and we sort of knew it was, but not how important until those numbers came out. And so the, the why is just, it's just something I, I guess I grew up wanting to do. And when the opportunity was there, I just jumped on it as quickly as possible. What about you, Dr. Haldeman? What? Obviously, there had to have been something that pulled you uh, tremendously and immediately to say, I have to do this. Yeah, I, I, from my point of view, we completed the Bone and Joint Decade Task Force on Neck Pain in 2008 that I chaired. And after that, it, we realized that we had been work helping only people in high-income countries. And, I, you know, I've always had a an interest in 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 helping the I, I don't know what the, let's call it the underserved people who have no access to care uh, and the, I just I talked to Margareta Nordine after she was on the neck pain task force and we said what what is the greater need in the in the world right now and uh, and although the, Bonin, the World Health Organization burden of disease had come, only came out in 2010, there had been a prior one in, 1990, in the 1990s, and there was a whole series of articles that described the lack of care and the growing burden of spinal disorders in low and middle income countries. And we just, just sat there and said, okay, you know, we're getting on. Uh, and what can we do to ensure that the next few years of our life is not totally wasted? Uh, and uh, and I, I had a personal connection to Botswana. It was one of my, uh, growing up in South Africa, it's where I spent a lot of time with my father, who used to like looking for a lost city there. Uh, and... Um, and so we, um, uh, I had friends there, and so we went to Botswana, and uh, they were very receptive, and we got a grant from, actually, Palmer College gave us our first grant to go there, and uh, because the, the, the new uh, uh, chairman of the board is, was also a South African and a very close friend of mine. Uh, and uh, so we just got started and the reception was such and then we didn't know if it was going to survive and then more and more people got on board Jeff got on board which made it really happen and uh, it, it just it just kept kept going and uh, you know you, you're always amazed when you start something like this and always, always wonder whether or not something is going to stay alive 
and uh, we've just had enough people come out of the woodwork to keep us going. It always tends to get bigger than what you think if it's a good if it's a good reason why. Yeah. Um, speaking of your father, uh, he was a chiropractor. Yeah. Among uh, beyond many other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but was it your grandmother that probably stole the the stole the glory of chiropractic? Was she a little bit more instrumental? Wasn't she like the first? Chiro- female chiropractor in Canada or something? Uh, like that? She was the first chiropractor, male or female. Oh, my goodness. Um, and uh, first person, first chiropractor to ever rec- to actually practice or, or at least be recognized as being a chiropractor in the country. We've done the research and we did that in the 1980s, published a paper on it. Nobody has been able to find any chiropractor that actually – existed in in uh, Canada prior to my grandmother and uh, and she was a driving force and then my father uh, when he was in his uh, in his 20s decided he was going to go and study he studied at Palmer and uh, then he came back and was actually on the first board of directors of the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College and responsible for getting uh, the Chiropractic Act through in Saskatchewan. And then he moved to South Africa, where, as I said, he was looking for the lost city of the Kalahari, and where I spent a great deal of my time as you a know, kid. In true conspiracy theorist fashion, I'm going to have to look for this lost city myself, but these days you just look online. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fly, flying there. to South Africa would take a little bit out of the clinic schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that, but at that point, you know, your your father probably wasn't. Um, you know, he wasn't in the office every day. Oh yeah, he was in the office every day. Oh yeah! Wow, yeah, look yeah, at this guy. Dad, my dad was a full time practitioner, and uh, and and he was in the office every day. He he had he had an office. I mean, now we're talking about he used to see a hundred patients a day. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and uh, look for lost uh, cities, and yeah. Oh yeah, and then we'd look for the lost city on uh, when when uh, uh, you know when when the uh, in the holidays it was what our, it was our vacations basically. You know, South Africa brings about that. Africa itself brings about that sort of uh, Indiana Jones type of feeling. You know, <laughs> that you can get in some sort of uh, jeep and just sort of explore. <laughs> well, it's a little bit more. Takes a little bit more than that. But you know, it's it's uh it took tremendous amount of of time and energy on his part. Uh, he was extraordinarily careful because we would bush bash for a month at a time without seeing another person. Wow! And and uh, that you know you don't do that without being very careful about how you're doing it. Um, that's pretty awesome. So, do you get to tell those stories very often? Oh yes, uh, grandchildren really love them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about fundraising, Jeff. What's going on? You guys need money to do yeah. this, right? Yeah. So how is fundraising accomplished? How can well, we have uh, there. There's several ways. Um, we, if you go online and you you can donate directly, that's the easiest thing. Um, but you can do fundraisers and you can coordinate those through, um, uh, through our website. 
uh, if anybody has any you know questions and needs information on fundraising, then they can uh, contact me or contact Nathan Cashin. If you go to info at World Spine Care, you'll get both of us. Um, we have coming up is uh, World Spine Day in October, and we have a um, uh, work a day for World Spine Care program. And so the idea is that uh, clinicians can uh, do fundraising in their clinics for a day uh, for on behalf of World Spine Care and then donate that money. And we have all kinds of um, material. You can print out posters. Um, there's information packages. It's all on our website. You'll see uh, at the front page, there's a work a day for World Spine Care link. Um, um, as well, we have an online store. If you want to buy any, um, you know, hats and mugs and shirts and stuff for World Spine Care, we have the online store. But if you want to do larger fundraisers for whatever reason, whether it be a birthday, a run, or anything that you want to do, you can um, do fundraising through that. Now, um, uh, that's that's sort of the individual fundraising. And then I'll let Scott talk about more, um, you know, larger corporate if people. If there are people who, um, uh, chiropractors who know, um, who have patients, because most most of the time it's easy to sell the idea to somebody who's actually who has had back pain. They understand how debilitating it can be and how it can impact your life. And to talk to a patient like that who uh, uh, who might want to donate or might have the means to donate or get involved uh, or be a corporate sponsor or something like that, um, they're the ones that understand. Chiropractors understand and then people who've experienced back pain understand. Um, so if you have any patients who you know might might be looking for an organization to donate to and they have had that experience and know what it means, then then let them know. Scott, if you want to say anything more about, about that, I'm sure you've yeah, got some it, it, It's actually wonderful to see people come out of the woodwork and simply say, we want to be involved. We want to help people who have spine problems. We are a spine care doctor chiropractors or surgeons, but primarily chiropractors will simply say, look, I have a chance to give to a multiple sclerosis foundation or autism foundation or Parkinson's foundation, but I really don't deal with those patients. What I deal with is people who are disabled from spine problems. And which organization can I give to and donate to in order to help this people with the same problems that I'm help working with on a daily basis. And this is true of most professions. Most donations to neurological diseases come from patients and doctors with who deal, patients with neurologic problems or who deal with neuro patients with neurologic problems and the same with heart disease and cancer. But for some reason, we have not seen doctors who deal on a daily basis with spine problems then translate that into asking their patients or telling their patients about it and then uh, donating funds themselves or actively uh, being part of the system uh, that requires, you know, some support. Uh, but that we're also seeing is changing somewhat. We're seeing more and more people starting to get involved, which is extraordinarily exciting. Uh, and, and hopefully will continue no reason to think it won't. And uh, so if I was in any of your uh, listeners' shoes right now and I say to myself, how can I be involved? How can I help people like my patients who don't have care for their problem? 
uh, I would go to an organization of World Spine Care. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't just go and, and donate, although that would be wonderful. Uh, I would actually say to myself, how can I be part of the program and actually join uh, and do PR, tweet out, be participant. You don't have to take time off your life and go to Botswana. You can actually spend time taking care of uh, uh, supporting organizations like you would any other organization. Yeah, that's that's important, I think, for people to understand is you can you can be a, an influencer for sure. Yeah, you, you can make tools. a difference. You can make a major difference. Using the tools of the social medias and all that. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, when the volunteers are done with their volunteer time, please tell me they, they are now part of some sort of family they're never forgot about. Absolutely. Um, lots of them stay involved. Um, we encourage people to stay involved. I try to stay in touch with um, as many of the clinicians as I can. We keep them involved as much as they want to be involved as well. So, uh, you know, Steve Lasky took over with the volunteer recruitment team. So he's coordinating all of that. And Nadine Harrison is, is helping with some clinical work. Um, and so everybody sort of continues on in a way that they're comfortable with. And we encourage people to stay involved. Um, so, no, we don't just sort of boot them out the door and say, thanks, see you when I see you. Uh, we really, because I, I, I can't emphasize enough um, what amazing people we come and volunteer with us. And yeah. uh, we don't want to let go of them. I love talking to them and staying in touch with them. Oh, um, it takes a special it's just person. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And so we really wanted to stay involved. And, and we kind of, I'm, I'm always trying to find different ways to keep them involved and keep them engaged in a way that they want to be uh, involved and engaged. So, yeah, we have quite a big team of people that uh, someday – it'd be great to pull them all together in one place for a while and, and to see how they all get along. Cause they're pretty <laughs> awesome people. Yeah, it, it really is a family. Is there a way for students to be involved? Is there anything a student can do, even though they're not licensed and they're, they're not full on doctor of chiropractic yet, but is there ways for them to get involved kind of ahead of the curve? Absolutely. Uh, we've had some students who've gotten involved uh, initially as a student um, and then uh, came on and volunteered with us afterwards. Mainly it's um, um, schools can start clubs. So we have a World Spine Care Club at um, CMCC and then there's a World Spine Care Club developing at New York Chiropractic College. Um, any college can, can develop an organization that kind of promotes not just World Spine Care but the ideas and and um, keeps people engaged in what's, in what's going on. And then when they graduate, they're really well prepared and really clear on what they're getting themselves into. And then they do the volunteer service. Um, they can do presentations at the school about World Spine Care. So a perfect example, Aileen Bidlingmeyer was a fabulous health at uh, the Welsh Institute. She did a lot of graphic design for us. Then she did all kinds of presentations about World Spine Care where she was there, got, uh, managed to recruit uh, graduates ahead of her to come and work in our clinic for us and then she came and worked in the clinics for now gosh it's been almost two years that she's been working with us in the clinics so that, I mean that's a fantastic person who just had the initiative she's she was really excited about it had the initiative went ahead and did 
all of this stuff for us and got engaged and has stayed engaged and will always stay engaged. So that's one way, starting clubs, getting involved in clubs, um, uh, spreading the word, doing presentations, anything like that. And we can help with all that sort of material for presentations as well. I've often, um, uh, with the uh, World Congress of Chiropractic Students, I've done conference calls with them where I took them through our sort of information presentation so that they could then give that information presentation at their different uh, schools around the world. And that's been very helpful as well. So if anybody wants to get involved, they can, again, go to the info at worldspinecare.org and you'll get either Nathan or myself and, and we'll be able to kind of give you some ideas and help you through that sort of thing. Uh, my colleagues, my friends, I have some ideas myself, so I'm going to have to take a little walk and think about them, but I think I've got some things for you. Um, this is a weird, you know, I've done quite a few of these podcasts now, but I think this one at this point is one of my favorites, which is, it's not, this isn't a sexy topic, you know, this isn't uh, having uh, a, a super duper star, like when we had Z-Dog on who's who's an internet superstar it's not one of those topics this is just my this has been one of my most enjoyable conversations and i think because it does that thing and that thing is you guys are using what i would call my why to make a huge difference in the world and my why is uh, the importance of conservative care that is based or steeped in evidence that also blends in humanity and empathy and care for the planet, regardless of who you are, or where you come from, and then delivering that on the largest stage you possibly can. And you guys are doing it. I'm, 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 I'm uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. I don't have any other words. Um, I want to help you guys. So I'm going to see what kind of ways I can with, with the sphere of influence I have. But um I mean, I can't say anything else, but thank you. And, and hopefully we find a way to make this the most important endeavor. Look, if, if you're listening to this, this is it. Like chiropractic care that is integrated and it fulfills a mission throughout the world. Like we've always, because Dr. Haldeman, I graduated before 2008, 2010. And they were telling us plenty of times that you guys are non-essential and there's no true need for you in the world, and you're just sort of helping rich white moms feel better about their ouchies while they go to their workouts. <laughs> and this is obviously a, a much bigger stage and a much bigger reason to live and to play this game. So, yeah, no question about that. And that's, uh, you know, you can have a bigger calling in your life, and that's a simply a reality. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much. And I don't really feel like this is going to be our last conversation. I hope not. So I appreciate you guys coming on. Hopefully the people who listened will take some action. Uh, no matter where you are in your career, you can do something to help these guys. It's not like they're not desperate. They want the right people to do the work. But uh, if this is calling or this is singing to you, please step up. Don't be afraid to do something. Don't be afraid to contact uh, Jeff or, or Nathan at the website that they gave out. And as a final reference, because the teaser in the beginning, pop culture, uh, Dr. Haldeman's nephew is somebody famous. So if you go to worldspinecare.org, you can find out who it is. And I'll tell you right now, it's not Archbishop Desmond Tutu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, doctors. Thank you very much. Thanks um, so much for your interest and, and for the podcast.
Thank, thank you for you your so time. Much. I know it's, I know your time is very valuable, so I appreciate it. And it thank you for all that you do. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You're yeah. fun. And I hope people will get involved. It's, there's nothing more rewarding than helping people in need. That's the only thing that matters. You know, once you get older and you've, you've got, what, a watch or a car or, or a house or whatever crap that you thought you needed to make yourself happy, then you get it and you're like, oh, no, I'm not happy. The only thing left is to help other people to ease suffering in the world. That's, that's the only thing that matters. And I'm, I'm starting to get old, so I, I actually believe that. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a whole other podcast in itself. That's a whole different podcast. We don't want to get <laughs> too deep. Uh, I'm going to stop recording. Thank you guys very much. All right. Thank you. All right. That was our podcast with Dr. Jeff Outerbridge and Dr. Scott Haldeman. And that was a good one. Now it's time for the pain zone finish. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, hopefully this podcast uh, reached some people, reached them in their soft spot in the center of their chest to take some sort of action that's larger than themselves. But uh, look, I also understand that the world is unique. I don't want to say different right now. There are, there's a different set of challenges for the young chiropractor these days. There is this ticking time bomb going off in your bank account called student loan debt and it's hard to sort of find a way for some logical people to say how can I serve with this debt load screaming at me I get it um, I also get that some people are motivated by different things they're motivated by profit they're motivated to be the most successful chiropractor they're motivated by volume they're motivated by making a difference in their hometown or their community or they want to work with sports teams look world spine care is not for everybody and and i don't think that that's the point so hopefully um uh, you know you, wh wherever you are as long as you're operating ethically and and you're centered on patient care and patient outcomes and easing suffering in the world through this skill that you've learned with education and hard work that you know that you're loved and appreciated. Uh, not everybody is meant to be and not everyone is molded to be a part of World Spine Care, but if you are one of the ones that are and you're just not doing it, you've got to respond to that call, to that passion and get involved. What the hell does that have to do with pain zone? <laughs> <laughs> nothing but pain zone sponsors the end where I try to summarize the podcast. We call it the pain zone finish. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and it's another reminder for you to check out pain zone, go to ipainzone.com and get some free samples and, and try the stuff out. Um, my, my time learning about this profession, one as a clinician two, as a young doctor, uh, three, now as a middle-aged doctor, I've learned so much. And what I once thought was real might not be as real as I once thought. And uh, there, are, there are a lot of realities and there are a lot of uh, subtle occult and hidden concepts that you will learn along the way as you, as you practice and as you keep an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. You got to have some standard operating procedures and some belief systems, and you've got to verify them with the real world and with evidence. 
Um, and one of the things that I've learned is that it doesn't like all these things that you thought mattered or you think now that matter when you're young, like uh, keeping up with the Joneses of your colleagues and having this, that, or the other for some people, you know, that's not the answer for you. The answer is to be a serve, a servant to this world and to this community and uh, world spine care and the, the spine care initiatives that were outlaid in this podcast are a great way to pursue that. So don't hesitate. If that's part of you, don't hesitate to reach out and contact these folks and make this thing happen. You will feel so much better when you do. Thank you for listening to this podcast, this episode of Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Um, And I hope that you will listen in to our future podcasts because they're only going to get better and better. If you can believe that, which is hard for me to believe because this was uh, a top five podcast for me. Take care.